Welcome back to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell with X-Growth, your co-host for this podcast, where you'll hear from B2B executives and sales and marketing roles on the newest and most effective strategies and tactics in the B2B space. Now, let's dive right into this episode. Hello, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Growth Colony, Australia's B2B uh, podcast. My name is Shaheen from X-Growth, and today I'm joined by Mark Tanner, the co-founder of Quiller, a, a document design and automation tool for salespeople. Now, today we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic. We're going to be exploring what and how... Um, can uh, salespeople reduce the friction during the process of submitting proposals and getting approvals in their B2B buying journey? So on that note, please welcome Mark. Mark, thanks, thanks a lot for being on the show. Mate, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, no, no. Thank you. So, um, so Mark, I gave a quick introduction, but for those who are not maybe familiar with what the company does or, or yourself, can you give us a quick background? Yeah, for sure. So, um, to start with me, so I uh, uh, left uni, went into consulting land very briefly, but wonderfully ended up at an ebook startup back in sort of 2008, nine range. When ebooks were exploding, the Kindle had just come out, the iPhone had just come out and had a lot of fun there for a couple of years. That startup exploded with growth in the first year and then kind of didn't have such an awesome following year, which was an interesting ride to be on. Then went and joined Google, uh, got poached by them to lead what became like the, the partnerships team for, for Google Play. So doing uh, basically initially very much ebook focused around getting ebook content onto the Google Play store. Uh, and then magazines and then newsstand and, and apps and whatever else. And also did a few sort of deals around search, like, you know, Google Scholar, Google News, Google Book Search, et cetera, which was really fun. So did two years in, in Sydney and sort of Southeast Asia and then moved to New York with that team and sort of did that work for a few more years. But was really at that stage very eager to come back and, and sort of and get involved in startups again. And I was lucky enough to be reconnected by amazing series of chance with my now co-founder we sort of reconnected a wedding we've been friends since we were teenagers and he'd been working on this this problem which he had for a while and he actually you know basically had a his own little you know agency that he'd been running as a as a software developer and designer you know he's he just had this huge pain point around proposals for a long time you know i think that kind of thing that we all are familiar with of like do your pricing in excel do your copy in word do your design and in design mash it all together to try to make something nice send it to a client, have them rip it all apart. You then need to split it up again into these separate functions to redo it all. It's this very clunky, painful thing. And, and his big thing at being a developer was also like, you know, I live and breathe digital things. What I make for, for my clients is digital products. Like, why am I sending this, this paper file that's like dumb and inert and I can't do anything sort of modern and whatever else. And so that's where the core idea from Quiller came from. And, and really all Quiller is, is a way, you know, our core sort of belief is that files suck in the age of the internet and our core belief is that you know web the web can make it better and so you know all quiller is a way for anyone to create their their external like customer facing documents be that we mainly specialize in sales but also can be used for like you know marketing and success and internal stuff as well where it makes sense but to create them you know really quickly and easily as beautiful web pages and because it's the web you know all the stuff you get from the web, you, you sort of get for free. So you can have like analytics, like has it been opened? How many times? What section they look at? 
you can have like buttons that do things. So the experience, you know, of a B2B proposal can look much more akin to like what it is in e-commerce or what it is in, in a sort of a marketplace online where you can, you know, select things, say, hey, I want 14 of that and three of these and, and whatever. And again, it can be as configurable or, or, or not as you would like. And then they can obviously, you know, accept, you know, e-sign and pay all online and that'll sync up with HubSpot, it'll sync up with Salesforce, it'll sync up with Zero, it'll sync up with all the sort of tools that, that, that you use to run your business. And so that's amazing. That's what we do. That's amazing. Thanks for that intro. Um, very comprehensive. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, one of the main areas that you focus or the main area that you and, and the team focus on is on proposals, right? Yeah. And making that process as, as seamless as, and as frictionless as possible. I, I guess the first question that I want to ask you is, what are some of the common issues that you see salespeople and organizations in general make in the process of preparing a proposal and submitting a proposal? Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots, but, but I think like one of the big ones that, that we think about a lot just generally is like, you know, the proposal is, it's, it's the end of the funnel, right? Like I think you have this, you've had this whole process of trying to attract leads in and, and sort of have them go through this part. And then this is the part where you're trying to get them to sign off and agree to pay you money and sign the contract and all that sort of stuff there's this sort of, there's, there tends to be this interesting tension that happens here between do I get the proposal out quickly to them and therefore have it look a bit shit, but, you know, like I'm going to reuse some old template we've got or whatever else, or, or do I take the time to make it look excellent? And I think that's sort of the first like f false choice. I think I would say on that side is this sort of issue of like speed versus beauty. I think you can definitely have them sort of have them both. I think the other, the other part of it is, and, and you know, you and I have talked about this before in the past, but like, this other part of it, which is like, how much time do we spend like thinking about optimizing, like intelligently optimizing landing pages and, and, and what makes what makes things convert on a landing page through to becoming a lead and how do you sort of design them and structure them in different ways? And there's a lot of art on that side, but there's also a lot of science. And I think when you look at proposals, like, and we've, you know, converted, I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of them at, at this stage into Quilla pages. Like when you sort of look at that sort of side, like, the caliber, the quality of, you know, there's, there's literally no science behind it because no one knows what converts with a proposal. Like there's no like, sophisticated thought around that at all. There's also like very little art. Like There's, there's actually, uh, so the vast majority of them are really are, you know, quite ugly and sort of corporate and, and sort of a bit, a bit bland, to be honest. And so I think that, you know, really from our side, the way I would sort of say, encourage your audience to think about this is, when you're bringing the principles as to like what converts on a landing page or, or another sort of parts of a website or however you think about that sort of part there, all those sort of lessons can be applied across the proposal. So a classic one that we always talk to our clients about is trust. You know, I think that when you come, when you come to a thing where you're asking people for, for, for money, if you're asking someone for, you know, for, you know, 10 grand to go, you know, work on a project with you, like that's a, that's a real amount of money. That's a real, a real thing. And yet, too often we'll see proposals where it's just like an exec summary of some stuff you've talked about, you know, some information about what, what's going to happen and then the price and then a signature block. And I think that, you know, it's very easy just to add a few little bits and pieces around there where you sort of say like, you know, whether it's a, a testimonial from a client or, or a quote or, or some sort of like, you know, you know, it, maybe, maybe there's a, you know, 
you're a, a HubSpot partner and you're like, you know, you're, you're a certain tier of that or it's some certification or like whatever it is, there's all these little things that exist that you can use to reinforce the fact that like, hey, you should move ahead here because actually it's, you know, it, it's a moment of real, you know, decision and you want to help push them towards saying yes as much as is possible. And I think that, you know, again, having it go out to them relatively quickly having it be very impressive, but then also I think leveraging those sort of things we know work with regards to human psychology around like trust. And, you know, for us, we have a, a big thing about the trust should be before you see the price and after you see the price that there should be a, there should be some other stuff there. And there also should be, you know, there's another interesting thing as well, which is like, you know, w- w- what else do you do if they don't, if they're not ready to convert yet? And so I think often with a proposal, you have this thing, it's like there's only one path and that path is to accept which is kind of what you want to prioritize, obviously. But there are times where, you know, you, you want, they might have a few more questions and, and how do you sort of allow for that to be handled easily as well. So I think just generally though, if you sort of think about it in that principle of all of the rigor and all of the blog posts, the millions of blog posts out there about how you think about other parts of like websites for, for conversion, I think if you sort of start to have some of that same level of thoughtfulness around the proposal, I think that's sort of a good lens of, of how to start to think about it. Yeah, that's very interesting that you say that because you know you, you say there's a lot of art and science in other parts of the funnel or the wheel or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and you see the presence of you know design in businesses usually come from marketing department, right? Yeah, and then at the proposal when you know somebody's trying to sign a proposal, that's that's a heavily sales focused role where mm. you don't have marketers involved, right? Yeah. And uh, you're absolutely right. I've seen proposals or, or SOWs that you look at it and, you know, if you want to kind of dive into it, it, it will feel like you're chewing on, on a piece of concrete. Um, yeah. Right. And it's, it's extremely hard to digest it. And it's, it's very interesting to, for, for organizations to start thinking about, you know, we optimize this, this sales funnel so well, we have to also put, the same amount of focus. Hey, do we bring some of the designers and some of the copywriters and so on and so forth and focus on that last part of the, of the funnel. Now, how do you look at the proposal stage that's maybe different from how others see it? Right? So we talked about the design component. Is there anything else that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that for us, you know, there's another part in here, which would just be, around the analytics, which is it's just a small thing, to be honest, but but it's a very powerful thing. So, you know, uh, uh, when you work with 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 Quiller or, you know, and just generally with the web, right, you know, you can know when someone's viewed a page. And so I think that, you know, for us, let's imagine you're a salesperson and you've had, you send out 10 proposals last week and you come in and it's Monday morning. Well, if you're able to quickly look and see, hey, of these like live proposals that are out there, well, three of them haven't been opened yet. So, okay, well, I, I, you know, there's one sort of, there's one sort of, you're like, okay, well, I should shoot a follow-up email. Like, hey, just wanted to check in, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's another like three or four where they've opened it, but it's only been, they've only opened once. And it was like, you know, you can see from the timestamps, it was a pretty quick one. They were in and out in you know, a minute. They said they had a quick little look on their phone on the weekend or whatever, but it wasn't really a, a detailed thing. And that's, you could sort of bucket them in a ment- mentally in a different group, and then maybe there's there's a handful of them where it's where they've, you know, that they've 
opened it multiple times. You can see it's from different IP addresses, different devices. So it's being passed around the office or like different people are looking at it. And like, you know, you had these 10 proposals that previously you were like, hey, I have 10 clients proposal stage. No, no, no. There's like, there's actually like quite distinct different buckets where those are in and the way you should be having conversations, how you should be prioritizing them, that sort of thing, I think is also another lens to bring to this, which is like, how do you, I think often in, in, in sales cycles, you know, if you go, if you go, the dirty secret that every sales leader knows is if you go and look at a pipeline, there's like, you know, something like opportunity at the start and closed one at the end. And then there's a few stages along the way of different things, but there's always some bucket there called like engagement or proposal sent or whatever else. It's just like completely meaningless. It's like, well, what's going on here? Well, I've, we've done a demo and the demo was good or we had the first chat and that was good and we've sent some stuff to them and I have literally no idea what's going on now. And I think that, you know, it's not like we provide a mystic ball or a perfect answer, but it is, I think, like having some degree of insight into how they're interacting with your proposal. And even then, you know, you can, on an each view level, you can say, if you look with Quill, you can get as granular as you want. You can say, you can force them to log in to view the page. I can be like, hey, I know that Shaheen has like logged in exactly three times. And the first time he just jumped straight to the price and did nothing else. And then the second time he read it for 20 minutes and, you know, it seems to have looked at most sections of the thing and whatever else. And then the third time again was very quick and just jumped to the implementation part. And so maybe I can be like, okay, cool. Well, now I know that there's possibly some questions about implementation. He's taking it seriously. He's a very, very hot lead. I should give him a call this second and be prepared to talk in some depth about implementation. And so I think like that, that part of it is, is an important part. There's a whole bunch of other things we could dive into, but I would say that to be honest, that simple piece of having some analytics around your proposals does add so much value to the process. Yeah, that makes sense. And and you're right. Then salespeople would change the way that they would approach a potential deal, knowing the engagement that they've seen from that account. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is with, re- with regards to advice for salespeople, especially at the proposal stage, right? Mm. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier was social proof or how important that is. And I'd love to dig a little bit deeper in there. What do you mean by, you know, salespeople need to think about social proof even at the proposal stage? You know, hey, haven't, uh, haven't, hasn't marketing done that? Hasn't marketing, you know, shown them enough case studies and, and, uh, and testimonials? Or do I need to worry about that? What is your advice on that? I think, I think, I think there are certain things we know to be true in, in human psychology. And I think one of them is like, is that in an uncertain world, the more certainty you can give someone, the easier you can make it for them to go down a certain path, the more likely it is that they'll go down there. And I think that, you know, if you, you know, uh, like, I think if you know that there is a default, you know, those lines, like no one ever got fired for purchasing IBM, you know, that's sort of, that's an old school thing of like, if you know that this is the default out there, well then, okay, that, that kind of makes sense to sort of take that default path. And I think the more that you can sort of, you know, imbue that degree of trust and and sort of like standardness and like this is definitely going to work out and this has worked out before for people who sort of look like me and in similar situations, similar businesses, whatever else. I think the more that you have there, the more power there is, the better. And so I think that, look, yeah, marketing should have done that, hopefully done that job as well. But 
what marketing's done is provide you a lead. And what you're trying to do is turn that lead into, into actual revenue for your business. And I think that, you know, no tricks, no tricks that work for marketing, like magically don't work for sales. And like every salesperson I know is like keen for every trick they can have. And so I, I really do think that, you know, while you do need to be protective of your proposal, because I do think that there's a, like we know from data, there's a real issue around length of proposals, that the proposal is over about a certain length. And, and you know, to be honest, it's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's basically about 10 pages. You start to see a decreasing conversion rate on a general basis. Now, like there's some interesting ways you can get around that, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't want to like you don't want to sort of drop in a whole like thousand word case study into your into your thing. You might you might link to it. That could be a separate Quilla page or a separate web page or whatever. But I think you know again having some degree of trust in there, especially if you can speak to someone like say a quote or a testimonial or whatever something that speaks to that that particular person's thing. So if I come in as the owner of a SaaS business and I see a testimonial from someone else uh, who is a, a, a SaaS business owner, I'm like, oh, I've heard of that company. Oh, that that's a good quote. Like that's just makes me feel so much more comfortable and so much more likely to press the accept button and sign and pay than if I don't sort of see it. And I think, again, you know, it's an uncertain world, especially now. And I think the more you can just make that path a bit easier, even if it's a deal you would have already closed anyway, why not like make it easy for them to close today versus in two or three days time? Again, like the speed of sales cycle is another really important part of this. So I think, um, you know, again, all the tips and tricks, I think, are, are worthwhile. Hey, it's Alex from X-Growth. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Growth Colony Slack channel. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash Slack and sign up. That's growthconny.org forward slash Slack. Let's talk about modernization of your process. If somebody wants to go about and modernize their sales process in their organization right now, especially, you know, towards the proposal stage or, or, you know, there, there are definitely other stages as well. What is your advice to them? Where should they start? So I think... I mean, the first thing you have to have is just a modern CRM that you that you and your team like using. <laughs> like that's I mean, that's just the first first basic thing. And look, there are so many companies out there who are still kind of like trying to like hack together a weird ERP solution to sort of work like a CRM and to sort of you know sort of doing doing some weird internal custom stuff, which sometimes can be great and can be perfect. But but there are others who are you know on old suites that were bought ages ago that are kind of rubbish i had to for a brief period with a non-profit i worked with use sugar crm particularly old version of it and it was truly truly horrendous experience and maybe maybe they've got new versions that are great but that version sucked look they've completely rebranded because i think oh, right. they realized they realized How that bad it was. But, um, but anyway yeah oh. please no no that's amazing so look, i think like that look that's the first step right because you've got to have your data in a place that, that is modern and is online and is able to be sort of you know 
you know, do interesting stuff with. And I think like companies, you know, like like Quilla and others in the space, they all look to those those leaders in that space, whether that's HubSpot, Salesforce, Pipedrive, you know, Dynamics. There's a whole host of others that are out there that are good as well. But, you know, I think like that those sorts of tools there. Now, some of those will be more optimized for certain things and others or whatever else, but like, and, and different sizes of company as well. Like obviously if you're a thousand plus seat deal, it's probably looking more like either a custom piece or something from Salesforce, you know, in reality. But but yeah, you, you know, A, that's the first part of it. I think B, the second part of it, as, as far as proposals go, is really, look, I'm, I've drunk the Kool-Aid and, and believe it on the Quiller path. But I do think that like, at least trying something in what the space that we're in, which is you know, around design automation and around document automation. So, so being able to say, hey, now we've got that, that data in a good zone, you know, how can I come into a tool like Quiller and say, here are my brand rules, right? Like here are my brand colors, here are my brand fonts. No one on the sales team is, can it, can, they, you can design things in all you want and you can use you know, maybe certain shades of blacks and grays as well. But that's it. Like this is you. These are the brand colors. And when you use yellow, no, you can't use canary yellow. You're going to use our yellow. And you know, here are brand fonts. You know, which we just typically match the web fonts that they use on the website. And again, that's that's what it is. And maybe there's some differentiation between like H1 and H2 in certain things or whatever else. But like basically, those are the fonts that you're able to use. And and again, that just is a default rule across every document. And then you might do the same thing for like logos and image collateral and whatever else. But then, you know, we, you know, I think once you sort of have a few templates that are set up and, you know, you have a few tokens in them that, that link to that HubSpot instance or Salesforce instance or whatever else, all of a sudden you've got this little widget inside those CRMs that your team can be like, hey, I need to create a quick proposal. I can go and be like, you know, go to the widget, create proposal, choose which template I want. Okay, I want, you know, template B. Do that. It pulls in the data from that, that instance, that particular record creates the page in a second, can review that, can edit it if you want or not, and then just like send it out from there. And then all that data you know, that we have, you know, obviously plugs back. And so it'll notify HubSpot, they're like, hey, it's been viewed or hey, it's been accepted or, or, or whatever else. One that we're sort of, we're thinking about at the moment is like an abandoned cart notification that we haven't quite built yet. But like, if you start the e-sign flow, but you don't finish it, like I want to be notified. So like that's that's a it's a fun little thing of like oh they've thought about accepting it but they didn't accept it and I'm like oh I should call that person right now so coming soon to Aquila near you but I think like you know I think you know all of those sorts of of things and look there are other tools out there that do some level of this you know obviously DocuSign has interesting e-sign automation and and whatever else but I think that the space right now there is so much time wasted on busy work that can be automated in this process. And I think that, you know, how you think about design automation and document automation is, is going to be more and more critical as we move forward. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that, you know, first, first of all, CRM is, is the, the mother of all information and it's the, it's the, you know, it's that source of truth. And you're right. Like, you know, through our agency, we, we've, we go into, companies and we look at and they're we're like so what kind of crm you use and we get you know not to name any but we get some of those names and you're like oh this is not going to be a fun project or sorry wouldn't you use a, a cr you use an excel file for a track yep. you know those are some of the answers you get google and, sheets baby yeah exactly <laughs> and and we just uh facepalm ourselves and and we don't always walk away but we try to convince them to uh to change and and then document management is obviously a big big piece 
Obviously, you work quite heavily in the proposal space, as we've discussed elaborately, and you see a lot of new developments in that space. You see a lot of things that companies would implement and it would improve their chances of closing a client. What are your what is your advice for some of those tips and tricks that you've seen companies use and you're like, wow, that's pretty smart and that's pretty cool. And I didn't realize if you, you know, you do something like this, you look at the data and you see it improves the, the close rate. What are some of the t- those tips and tricks that you would have for salespeople for closing more deals faster? Yeah, for sure. So I think like so some of the emerging ones that we're seeing on Quilla that I think are fascinating, there's two I'll dive into that are just, again, you can kind of only things you can do in the web, but but the web makes special in this really interesting way. So look, I think for a lot of companies, look, so if you're a larger company and you're, you've got it, you can, you can have a relatively templated sales process. Look, you should be A-B testing stuff, right? <laughs> like, you know, just like have a version and be like, okay, we've sent this out a hundred times. The conversion rate was X. Now, like, let's try a slightly different version of this. And we send it out, you know, again, one, 200 times and the conversion rate was Y. Now, look, if those two things, you know, you do need to appreciate statistical significance and whatever else. And, you know, we've got some customers who are sending out, you know, 10 to 20,000 proposals a month and they can do much more interesting stuff than those who are doing only a few hundred. But even with a few hundred, you can often see some pretty clear signs in the data around, around conversion rates and also sales cycle time and things like that with trying a few different things. And I think that that's obviously like, you know, one path. But to be perfectly honest, most businesses don't, like most SMB businesses don't have that level of volume. And some some industries just generally aren't that, you know, are so bespoke, say in like, you know, advertising, you know, it's so bespoke each individual proposal that, that you don't have the ability to really do that sort of level of testing. And the one that we've sort of loved of late has just been, People just using uh, 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 session recorders like Hotjar and, and Full Story and tools like this. Look, plugging that into Quilla is—it's an incredibly simple integration for us. You just drop in a little, little we just drop in a little snippet of code into the page, and that links up to your Full Story account or your Hotjar account, or like you know Crazy Egg or whatever else you use. And like, you can then so you might send out a few proposals, and then you can see your clients opening them and how they interact with them much like a user testing flow, right? And I think in that same way that you would think about this for a landing page or think about this for a product flow or experience, you only need to do it really like maybe five, six, seven times and you'll be like, oh, no one ever watches the video, you know, blah, we should have that lower or everyone just wants this thing or, you know, um, you know, blah, 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 like whatever it is, like everyone skips over this part. We should, maybe we should keep it, but we should, may make it a foldable thing so that it's hidden behind the button. And if they want to read it, they can click on it and expand it. But otherwise, it's sort of a little bit hidden away. And so, like, again, just those little things of being able to sort of actually see those things. I, I just love that for, like, a quick like – it's a, actually, like, what does it take you, like, you know, because you, you can always watch those on one and a half speed as well, those recordings. So, like, you can go through there and, and watch that a few times. I think that there's so much you can learn from that. The other one of a similar sort of note that I love – uh, we got asked about this about two years ago by a customer being like, hey, can I put in a, a retargeting pixel on the page? And it's just like, and you're like, oh, that's such an, an obviously amazing idea. And so, you know, now you can have a little, whether you're using AdRoll or Google or Facebook, you can turn on any of those. And again, it's a web page, right? So it gets sent out and now all of a sudden, 
I can know not just that you viewed my website, but I can know that you viewed a proposal. And the level of like retargeting or the messaging that I should be hitting you with at that stage, which again, in my opinion, I think is still pretty heavily around trust, like just showing experiences of people who look like them, who've had unbelievably great experiences, you know, five stars and, you know, whatever, or blah, blah, blah. But like, or even just like a simple one just to keep you top of mind, be like, hey, I've got to go send that proposal. Again, this stuff, you know, we all know retargeting costs, you know, not much. And that's just such a fascinating little wrinkle of how to sort of improve that sort of site. And again, the kind of things that you can just, you can only do that with the web, right? And like, you know, we do it <laughs> and we spend like, you know, we spend like, honestly, it's like, you know, maybe 10, I haven't looked at it for a little while, but like maybe it's like 10 to 15 bucks a month on those ads because no one really clicks them because they already know what your product is. But it's like, it's this very interesting way to sort of keep your thing, you know, top of mind. And it's, again, to set and forget, it's a pretty easy way of sort of doing that sort of stuff. So I think those are sort of interesting sort of modern tricks that we're seeing uh, evolve from the sort of, you know, from the really elite power users of Quilla. I love that. The, the concept of retargeting, the concept of saying that this person has looked at my proposal and therefore I want to follow them across the web and want to show them an ad. Now, whatever that ad is, it could be, as you said, it could be a case study. Um, it could be, could be a YouTube further, video, further social proof or a YouTube video. That's amazing. You know, one of the things that we often do with our clients, especially in the enterprise level, where where they're you know submit a, a tender and they're waiting for for approval, what we do is we do a lot of IP targeted ads, right? Which is not as specific as as your you know as a, as a retargeting where you kind of put a cookie on someone and say this person I want to show that ad to them but it is based on the IP of the company and we kind of track that company across the web and show them ads that is all about social proof. It's all about, you know, showing, showing further, further validation. But the fact that you can, you can even further customize that to the person that actually looked at the proposal is absolutely fascinating. What is your experience with video? What is, uh, how have you found that? Because that's a, another topic that a lot of people talk about, Hey, use video in your sales process. What has been your experience with that? Look, I mean, if I want to, the most the most used features inside Quilla, um, for just as a generic thing, when people come across, people are like, "Oh wow, I can do this." Are like video. I'd say video. To be honest, video calendars and maps and forms would, would be the would be the the four big ones. You know, obviously, embedding a, a map can be very relevant for certain businesses. Embedding a form, whatever form you like, whether it's a Google form or a type form or a Survey Monkey or blah blah blah. But again. But honestly, more often than not, just simple lead gen form earlier on, earlier on in that sort of piece. And look, HubSpot's meeting calendar or Calendly or whatever else, it's just that perfect, perfect thing to end a proposal with or any other sort of pre-sales material of like, hey, if you've still got more questions, let's have a chat. You don't have to click on a link or you don't have to you know, send me an email. Here are the times and you can see, you know, let's, you know, here's a 15 minute slot or whatever else. And I think that like that is just so, so powerful. But video, you know, video is an interesting one for us. So, so there's two sides of video for us. We have one side of video is sort of informational and one side is design. So the first is, you know, when you open, so we're we're a big believer and we try to sort of teach everybody this because again, it just has amazing conversion rates. But the first, the first page that that loads up in the web should be a pretty, you know, beautiful and impressive splash page. Like just a nice big, beautiful splash. And obviously. We partnered with Unsplash and a bunch of others. So there's a whole, you know, there's millions of free photos on there for you to, for you to use. But the video stock splash is like 
it's early for us on that side. We've only got a few hundred options in there, but that is, I, I just truly think that is so impressive to come in and look at it and just have this like, this nice, simple sort of, you know, video, again, just often it's for design purposes, but it just all of a sudden it changes the nature of what you think this proposal is. You're like, wow, there is like a beautiful looping video of like some forests, you know, at the start of this proposal, like it's just this creates a different feel for, for, for what you're sort of expecting on that side. And to clarify, this is, this is, these are videos in the background, right? They're like, it covers the whole page. It's video in the background that is kind of looping. Yeah, and you'll have you'll have text in front of it. You know, saying you know this is the proposal. You know, you know for for, for client X on date. You know Y or whatever else. But it's just a, it's just a rolling background. Um, you know, much like you see you know you see them all across the web. And uh, and I think that just is it just it gets that sort of immediate wow factor of this is something different. You know, and it just can can look you know very nice and clean. The video for informational purposes stuff is like it's amazing because like. All these marketing teams have this amazing collateral out there that they have that the sales team never uses. And I think that to the ability to have, whether it's like case studies or testimonials or product overviews or like, or, or whatever it is, I think having the ability to sort of have that video piece is just wonderful and being able to sort of have that be just part of the document, you know, whether it's a side-by-side -side image with text or it's a whole video, you know, section or whatever else can be quite powerful. One thing that we're seeing more and more of, and you know, we have an integration with Loom, and we're, we're doing some more integrations on this side, is is around um, you know sort of salespeople recording videos as they send them, and so it's sort of being like, "Hey Shaheen, it was really great to chat to you today. Just want to have a quick video at the top of this proposal to sort of talk you through it. So we've got a little section below, blah blah blah, and it's just them, you know, having that sort of face. And I think when you're doing a lot of remote selling rather than face-to-face -face selling as we all are these days, we've seen a huge rise in, in the use of this integration of late. You know, that ability to sort of try to personalize it a bit, try to add a bit of your own sort of feel here. And Loom videos are so quick and easy to record. It's a free web plugin. They do fantastic work. They're a great company. And I think like, you know, the ability to sort of have that little video up top that sort of, you know, gives it a bit of like, hey, here's who we are. We're real people, you know, we're human. You know, I think there's a bit of trust on that side, a bit of relatability. Maybe you don't want to use that every single time, to be honest. But again, having a little bit of that can be can be very powerful as well. So look, I think video is like, you know, really important. Personal touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, this has been this has been amazing. And we've talked a lot about the proposal and everything around that. Do you think there is anything that maybe I, I haven't covered that you think it's important for us to chat about? I think we've touched on a lot of it. I suppose the Whenever I come back to whether we've talked about things, I always think about um, dumb, ugly, and slow <laughs> as what files are. I mean, I think to be honest, I think no, I think uh, I think we've sort of talked about the, the dumb part, and we've talked about the ugly part, and we've talked about the slow parts. So I think we've probably covered most of them. I suppose that the, the main thing I would say though is just look at the moment. A lot of people are out there with lower, like lower pipelines than they're used to. You know, they're sort of they're used to having fifty or hundred, you know, leads come in a month through various sources, whether it's channel or inbound or, or, or whatever, word of mouth or outbound, blah. And they're sort of seeing, you know, 10, 20, 30% drops on that side. And, you know, when you're in that zone, I really do think it's like, this is the time to think about, you know, how you are converting and what you can do to improve those conversion rates. And obviously I'm saying that because I'm self-serving and I, I run a company that does that. But, but I do think that, you know, 
we're a tool that's been built for remote work. Half our company is remote. Obviously, all our companies are remote right now, but we've always been remote first. And I think that, you know, I think that there are tools out there that allow you to sort of become much, much better at this. And truly the B2B sales space, like the way that proposals are done is just amazing because every other part of the business lives in the cloud and is like interactive and can speak to each other and is like quite nicely designed and I think quite thoughtful. And it's amazing when you look at like the buying experience across e-commerce or across marketplaces or in SaaS or whatever else versus what it is in in most B2B stuff where it's PowerPoints and PDFs and, and, and pretty trash. So I would say that like now might be a moment to sort of take a time, have a look around and, and see if there's a solution like Quill that might sort of really help you improve your conversion rates, but also just, I think, be a solid foundation for making proposals dramatically better over the long term as well. Yeah, beware. Your uh, your sales process is about to get a massive upgrade. No, that's that's awesome. I love it. Now, if listeners have more questions for you or they want to know more about Quilu, what is the best way that they could they could hit you up or they could find out more? Yep. So I'm I'm Mark E Tanner on 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 uh, Twitter. So so you know, shoot me a note there. I check my DMs, even my random DMs. And uh, very happy to chat there. I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, and, I, and I'm I'm relatively active there. Although I will say that we announced our Series A funding a little while ago, and I got <laughs> sort of 500 <laughs> requests to join. So I'm in a bit of a backlog on that side. But but I am I am online there as well a fair bit. Obviously, like Quilla.com, you know, we've got a blog, we've got a bunch of webinars and talks on there as well. If you want to hear me uh, uh, spout some more bullshit, you can come over there. And uh, and I've, 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 there's, a, there's a regular webinar that I'm on with, which we sort of tend to leave a large Q&A session as well so that um, people can pep me with questions about anything to do with, I love talking sales, I love talking SaaS, I love talking startups, you know, anything on that sort of side, I'm, I'm always very happy to chat about. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you joining us for the for the for for this episode. I definitely think that a lot of our listeners will gain a lot of insight and value from from our conversation so on that note thank you so much thank you mate cheers hey it's alex again from x growth thanks so much for joining us on this episode if you enjoyed it we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on apple podcasts it would really help get the word out to other b2b professionals if you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.